Welcome back to Cairo Nights. Perfect, perfect choice, Matt. Yeah, we're talking about Seattle making a comeback. What's coming back this Labor Day weekend to Seattle? Bumbershoot. Seattle's music festival is coming back after a three-year hiatus because of the pandemic. Still no, uh, still no musical lineup yet announced for Bumbershoot. Tickets will go on sale February twenty fourth at ten a.m. And that is what day is that? Twenty. That's a uh, Saturday, right? I can't tell. My brain's banana fried. Tickets go on sale the twenty fourth, ten a.m. Tickets are fifty bucks for a single day, or I think it's eighty bucks for a two day pass, if I'm not mistaken. Fifty bucks for a single day and eighty five for a two day pass. Still no musical announcements, like I said, for Bumbershoot, but what they are announcing is roller skating, nail art, wrestling, witches, a drag show, pole dancing, sign spinners, free range artists, free range artists. I love that. Uh, As opposed to the ones that are caged, caged and organically yeah. fed. <laughs> uh, augmented reality. So apparently there'll be drugs there. No, my, my reality needs all the augmenting <laughs> it can get. I'm there for that. Uh, film, vintage clothing, contemporary art. I mean, it's Bumbershoot. It's it's Seattle's version of Burning Man. I heard it described as. Oh, look at that! Thanks very much. Yeah, my wife, get tickets to Bumbershoot. I will, honey. Doesn't we? We're not working at the rock station anymore. We don't get free tickets and stuff anymore. I love my wife. I love my wife. I do. You know, Bumbershoot. When I moved to Seattle in the late nineties, or excuse me, the late eighties, early nineties. I'd, I'd never seen anything like Bumbershoot. I can remember seeing some of the most incredible acts at Bumbershoot. Over the years, acts like Chuck Berry played Bumbershoot. Um, Tony Bennett has played Bumbershoot. Was that during that resurgence phase where uh, he became sort of MTV cool? It was Tony Bennett played in 2012, yes, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, Jane's Addiction played Bumber. You name it. I mean, everybody's played Bumper Shoot. You name it. They all came. Skrillex. You know, the Vaselines. Uh, I mean, everybody at one time or another played Bumper Shoot. I'm just going through old posters here to see who played Bumper Shoot. Panic at the Disco. Elvis Costello. The Replacements. Afghan Wigs. I mean, you know... The, the, just the best. Afghan Wigs, so underrated. Yep. What a good band. And, and that was Seattle's wild-ass weekend at Seattle Center. You know, stages everywhere. Um, and you would have to get tickets to see the big shows, which would be held inside what was then the Coliseum, now Climate Pledge Arena. I imagine it's going to be the same this year. Wu-Tang Clan, Bobby Womack, Walk the Moon. Oh. Bumbershoot was, is just an absolute blast and, and the crown jewel of our summers here in Seattle. It's so nice to see it coming back this year. Macklemore Death Cab for Cutie. Quit blowing up my phone. That's so funny. I've got the bum, I got the ringer turned off, but it's still, you can hear it buzzing up there. I, I love a big outdoor festival. There's nothing like it. And Bumbershoot's not just, you know, there are stages everywhere. 
as I was saying before, some of the things that are going to be on site at Bumbershoot outside of the live music, a double Dutch competition, makeup artists, extreme pogo sticking. Nice, huh? <laughs> I mean, that seriously. Definitely a sport. Extreme pogo stick. Yeah. Extreme pogo. Yeah. Remote controlled sculpture. That sounds wild. Right? A tattoo runway. Nice. Oh, that'd be fun. Like a tattoo fa- runway fashion show for tattoos. Um, and I don't know what cat circus is, but I'm intrigued. Sounds promising. Seriously, a cat circus? Sure. I remember the story of Chuck Berry playing Bumbershoot. Um, and Steve Slayton told me this story, so I know it's true. Steve Slayton would never, that guy would not, he would not blow smoke up anybody's skirt. Steve Slayton's been there. Chuck Berry was supposed to play Bumbershoot, and it was a sold-out house. I mean, packed to the rafters for Chuck Berry. And so, of course, Chuck Berry was late. And Chuck Berry, uh, the, the place is going bananas. And Steve Slayton goes out to say, folks, bear with us. Chuck's running a little bit late. He's going to be here soon. Hang in there, blah, blah, blah. You know, keeping the crowd at bay. And Chuck Berry walks in backstage with a woman on each arm. Chuck Berry's always paid in cash. So they hand Chuck Berry his uh, his payment for the show. Chuck looks it over and says, Chuck Berry's going to need another $10,000 before Chuck Berry takes the stage. Speaking of himself in the third person. Promoters are, well, yeah, we had an agreement. Chuck Berry's not going on stage another $10,000. And Chuck was dead serious. And the place is going bananas. And they... They raided the concession stands, and they got what they had to do, and they found an extra $10,000 for Chuck Berry. Well, there always is money in the banana stands. There's all- <laughs> I said bumper shoot, didn't I? I didn't say bumper shoot. I said bumper shoot. I know. I know how to say it. A texter's, hey, Spike, how long you lived here? Come on, man. It's bumper shoot, which is a term for an umbrella, by the way. I know that. Thank you. If I if I slipped up and said bumper shoot, I apologize. Tom, my good friend in Bonnie Lake, it is bumper shoot. So they found an extra an extra ten k in cash to get Chuck Berry on the stage because Chuck Berry, you know, Chuck Berry goes on when Chuck Berry wants to go on. Chuck Berry doesn't go on until Chuck Berry's ready to go on, and Chuck Berry's happy to walk away from the gig if Chuck Berry doesn't get what Chuck Berry wants. I heard a story that when Chuck Berry plays a show. No other artist on stage gets paid. Every member of Chuck Berry's band is a volunteer because the honor of playing with Chuck Berry is more than enough. And he's never had anybody <laughs> he's never had anybody walk off stage because they aren't getting paid. I played with Chuck Berry. Looks good on anybody's resume. But it's, it's a new level of swagger to go beyond your contract and know that they'll blink. Like, that's impressive. No, seriously. And, and said, Texter, Chuck Berry sounds like an ass. I, I you know, I, you're right. I couldn't. There I, were some things in his personal life that would not contradict that assertion. Yeah, he's, uh, he's by all, by all accounts, a difficult person to work with over the years. I mean, we, we, the late, great Chuck Berry. I mean, we're talking about an icon, a legend. Chuck Berry had tax problems. Absolutely. Chuck Berry had, had lady issues. Absolutely. But, uh, you know, 
I'd find the money. I'd get Chuck Berry on stage. I would not want a packed rafters house in the Coliseum, which is what it was called at the time. I wouldn't want uh, Chuck Berry not taking the stage. I'd have to find the money. Another person, Chuck Berry does sound like a real ass. Yeah, you're right. But that Bumbershoot, man. Bumbershoot's coming back. It's a great way to spend a holiday weekend in Seattle. I miss all the big festivals of Seattle Center, you know? I miss the Folklife Festival, the Bite of Seattle. When I first moved to town, my wife said, you got to go to the Bite of my girlfriend at the time. You're going to love the Bite of Seattle. Every restaurant in town. <laughs> the Oh, did I hear banana stand, Matt? <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, I'm going to take this one. Matt, relax. I'm going to take this one. We're talking about Chuck Berry wanting $10,000 more to take the stage at Bumbershoot. Because that's Chuck Berry, and Chuck Berry can do whatever the hell Chuck Berry wants to do. And there's a show called Arrested Development. Brilliant comedy. Jason Bateman. Portia de Rossi. David Cross. A, just a brilliant cast. And the running joke in that show was that the family of real estate developers, the Bluths, had the first frozen banana stand on the Santa Monica Pier. And the father's financial messages to all the kids in his family, there's always money in the banana stand. Whenever they need money, there's always money in the banana stand. Which I am re-watching on Netflix before it's taken away, I think, on the 14th of March. So that is, is where it, really? it, it was very top of oh, mind. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so uh, from the 360, cut Matt break. Come on. Uh, the banana stand reference wasn't the fact that Chuck Mary's an African. Chuck Berry's an African American, but anyway, she were, sometimes we're, we're a little too quick, okay, to worry about about racism. The beauty of the banana stand—I'll give you a little spoiler alert. When they told him to, there was always money in the banana stand. They burned the banana stand down for the insurance money. Only to find out there was four hundred thousand dollars in cash hidden in the walls. <laughs> That's what he meant by "there's always money in the banana stand." They were the, the old man had been embezzling from his investors, and there was 400K in cash in the banana stand that they burned to the ground. <laughs> Texture says, when they booked Chuck Berry, did they say, I've made a huge mistake? Oh, no. Oh, no. Chuck Berry, for all his faults, the great Chuck Berry uh, never failed to deliver on stage. Uh, but Texter says, why are they charging 50 bucks a person? Well, they, Bumbershoot's been a paying show for quite a while now. There are, there are perimeter fencings put up, temporary fences put up around the Seattle Center. And you pay $50 a day or $85 for a two-day ticket to see the bands at Bumbershoot. And the main attractions, the headlining bands at Bumbershoot, they're, they'll play in the what is now the Climate Pledge Arena, at the time the, the Coliseum, or the Key Arena after that. And when you want to see the main, the national main attractions, like Halsey or whomever, Macklemore, Death Cab, whoever it is, 
you have to uh, get in line for those shows because they will over capacity the big room. And you want to make sure you get in there to see your heroes when they come to town and play Bumbershoot. Lumineers, whomever it might be. Carly Rae Jepsen in 2019. Everybody had their moment, you know, when they were the top dog in the music industry. Jane's, I saw Jane's Addiction at Bumbershoot. Fantastic. Mm. I'm looking forward to it. I miss, I miss the big festivals. I really do, man. I, I love getting out with the folks of Seattle. The uh, Folk Life Festival, sometimes called the Freak Life Festival. It's where the hippies go. That was Memorial Day weekend. Labor Day was Bumbershoot. The bite in the middle. Those kind of cultural events, man, when they go away, they really take something away from the city. You know, we, we still do Seafair. We still get together down at Stan Sayers Pit and watch the boats run. And that's a big weekend of outdoor fun. My wife was born and raised in Seattle. And she would tell me horror stories, war stories about the seafair races back in the day when you could, you know, roll down to the lake with a, you know, coolers full of beer in wagons or even kegs in little red radio flyer wagons and just drink all day in the sun. Cause you know, those days we could do what we wanted to do. Everybody wasn't so worried about being sued or liability. Cops would come and pour your beer out. Those were the days. Not locking everybody up. And I understand nowadays you got to be a lot more careful. You can't uh, pour somebody's beer out and let them walk about their way and go on home. Because then if somebody happens on the way home and they hurt somebody, that's the officer's responsibility. I, I understand how we've evolved and all that stuff. I get it. I just do miss the good old days where we had a little more freedom to run amok. Mm. I am so looking forward to this. I'd pay 50 bucks to get in today if to, to see the band I wanted to see. You bet. Texture says, I'm still stubborn. I'm still calling it the Seattle Center Arena. Oh, now the arena wasn't the Coliseum. The arena was that little building down closer to Mercer. Right, that's where the Seattle Thunderbirds hockey team played. Was the Seattle Center Arena? That was a, cr- a rowdy little building, too. By the way, Seattle Center Arena. That was where the junior hockey Seattle Thunderbirds played before they built their facility down in Kent. My wife first started dating me because I could get hockey tickets. Love that about that says a lot right there. Ask a girl out, she goes, "Can you get you can get hockey tickets?" Yeah, sure, okay, I'll date you. I'll date you. I'll show you around the city of Seattle. Mm. Textures are now hearkening back. When I started going to Bumbershoot, it was free. Yep. Oh, thank you. Nancy Sinatra played Bumbershoot. Puddle of Mud, Nickelback, and oh. Nickelback played Bumbershoot. No kidding. Well, everybody plays Bumbershoot. Mm. Nothing better than a nice summer music festival in Seattle. And nothing's free anymore. we got to pay for everything. That's okay. Cost of doing business. Cost of having fun. It's Cairo Nights. I'm Spike O'Neill along with Matt Butler. We'll be right back after these.
Chuck Berry. Thank you, Matt. To see the sun. to the west. Have you seen the video of uh, Chuck Berry playing Johnny Be Good with John Lennon and Yoko Ono? Oh yeah. Do yourself a favor and YouTube Chuck Berry and John Lennon playing Johnny Be Good because there's a point where Yoko starts to sing back up and the look on Chuck Berry's face is you can't you can't describe it. It is it is it's what pain looks like. It's what is what <laughs> physical pain looks like. Oh, it's it's hilarious. And him and Lennon doing Johnny Be Good are fantastic. You know, you can tell that Lennon is three foot off the floor in awe of one of his heroes. And there's Yoko playing some kind of drum, some kind of like, you know, handheld little, you know, village type drum. And when she starts, oh, Chuck Berry just, oh. <sighs> Welcome back to Cairo Nights. So Matt found this, this job application. And I think this is from a burger joint in Indianapolis, if I'm not mistaken. It's called Between the Bun. Burgers, dogs, and more. And this is a, I think it's a frustrated business owner, which I'm sure you can all relate to. We've heard how hard it is to find good help these days, how hard it is to find enough employees for any job. We talked about how law enforcement departments can't find enough officers here in Seattle and all across the country. Well, this business owner was obviously frustrated trying to find workers for his restaurant. So he put this on social media. And even even if this isn't valid, even if this is some kind of a joke send up, it's worth going through because the guy really is spot on with the sentiments of so many business owners these days, frustrated with, I don't mean to disparage the youth of our country, but everybody wants to be a, an influencer. Everybody wants to be a TikTok star. And have there was a study recently that said kids would rather have a million followers than a million dollars. Now, when you realize how much you can monetize a following group, you know, a social media audience, a million followers is worth more than a million bucks over time. But the million dollars, if invested wisely, will carry you further than a flash in the pan social media career that depends on your youth and charisma. You and your common sense. You and your logic. Oh. I like to think of it as uncommon <laughs> sense. Most most of I like the world that. I do not find sensible. I, I, I don't want the common sense. I want people of uncommon wisdom. Nice. That's what I want. Put that on a t-shirt. We can sell that. Okay, so here is here is the job application for Between the Bun, Burgers, Dogs, and More. And it starts out by saying, the owner wrote this, uh, this should ruffle some feathers. Some will be triggered, but most will relate. Between the Buns is looking for kitchen help. $12 to $15 an hour plus bonuses. Requirements include showing up for interview that you scheduled. Not expecting $20 an hour with a $3 an hour work ethic. Not saying you have open availability, then changing your availability once you get the job. Becoming less flexible than you first implied. And then expecting us to do all the flexing common sense and just a little intelligence it's not rocket science here but you must be able to tie your shoes on your own being able to read helps too not needing a safe space because you are overwhelmed or have anxiety after toasting a few buns 
required is the ability to tell time so you can make it to work for your scheduled shift. The ability to work more than one week without requesting a bunch of time off and being upset when we say no. Again, this is a employer seeking help at his burger and hot dog place. The ability to retain information that has been explained to you no less than 30 times without asking the same questions over and over again. Mistakes happen. The same mistakes happening over and over again simply means you don't care. The desire to be an adult and do adulting things like be responsible and work in a job without expecting your employer to hold your hand through everything like you're five. And these are the job requirements to work at Between the Buns, Burger and Dogs and more. Job benefits include a job, a steady paycheck, other stuff too if you can last the first 60 days, but that's on you. The job's not hard unless you make it hard. It's actually fairly easy and laid back unless you make it otherwise. If you have trouble being responsible for yourself, your actions, etc., please save us the time and money and keep moving. And this is for kitchen help, this job. For servers, four bucks an hour plus tips. Requirements include showing up for the interview you scheduled, a little bit of redundancy here, ability to avoid the weekend flu, holiday flu, tax check flu, the I stayed up too late partying even though I knew I had to open the next morning flu, etc. You know, any of those flus that aren't really flus. The ability to adequately use a broom, you know, to sweep a floor at closing time. The understanding of teamwork, so you aren't leaving your work for your fellow employees because someone else will do it. The ability to comprehend English when it's being spoken to you at each table Ensuring the customer gets what they ordered, in turn, not costing the company money because you're hung up the wrong item and provided cruddy service. I cleaned that up a little bit. He did write the S word there. The ability to do minimal closing work at the end of a night instead of doing it half-assed so opening employees have to pick up your slack. See teamwork listed earlier. The ability to hold yourself accountable for your mistakes and not blaming other employees in the restaurant. If you forgot to ring in an order, so it magically became the kitchen's fault because they lost the ticket, see customer service and accountability mentioned earlier. The ability to work the hours you promised in your interview when hired, not half of them, and then wonder why you weren't making any money. The ability to respect the uniform policy without trying to change it at every opportunity. The ability to pass a short 25-question menu knowledge quiz at the end of your training without making every excuse possible as to why you didn't even, when you were given every tool possible to be successful. To work weekends, evening shifts, once you, wait for it, say you can work weekend and evening shifts. Not changing it once you've invested a ton of money in training you. Understanding your birthday lasts a day, not a week, and it's not a national holiday. It's not a guaranteed day off. It's just your birthday. Again, we are not building rockets here. Simply providing a good experience for Between the Buns customers. A good server who knows his or her Between the Buns stuff can work 30 hours a week and make a 1000 bucks a week. If they are hungry, not lazy, reliable, and motivated, benefits include a job, a steady paycheck, other cool stuff once you've lasted 60 days. Apply in person. 2222 South Southport Road, Indianapolis. We will give you the tools to be successful, as your success is our success. It's up to you to be smart enough, motivated enough, and reliable enough to use these tools properly. 
Boy, who can't relate to that poor guy? On the other hand, though, if you're a person who has these skills and is perfectly capable of doing this and has the intelligence to both understand why he's frustrated and what the tactic is here, Mm -hmm. if you're one of those people, there's no way in hell you want to work for this guy. No, you're not showing up. It's just laughing at the joke. You know, that's that's very true, Matt. What was your first job, by the way? Your first ever job? My first job was in a small town public library. Working the front desk. Really? Stocking, well, I guess restocking the books and yeah, yeah, uh, processing put- new new books and checking people in and out. That's what I did. All in, And helping them learn to use the computers. Because at that time, you still could co- have to come to the library okay, to get to use it. Yeah, access. that's yeah. right. That was before we all had home home boxes, yeah. Yep. Uh, you know, I my first job was working for my parents. My parents owned the neighborhood tavern where I grew up. So I really didn't have like a, a Joe job, a go-to job until I was, you know, I don't know, 22. Did you feel that when you had that job, your parents were treated you differently than other staff or were they equally as oh, every, tough? No, everybody that worked for us was family. It was my parents and my brother and I and, and, and the bartenders who were much, much older than my brother and I. And I don't know if they treated my brother and I. I'm, I'm sure they did treat us differently than the regular bartenders because the regular bartenders could be trusted. My brother and I couldn't. We were 18, 19, 20, 21. It's the years, you know, those years. I did have summer jobs at the beach as like a dishwasher one summer, a food prep one summer, you know. Do beach jobs really count as jobs? No, you're it's a teenager. No, you're, you exactly. Know. Yeah, you're burning through money. Right. As fast as they put it in your one pocket, you take it out of the other pocket. Absolutely. Yeah. Beach shops. You know, smart kids went to the beach and, and actually saved money, worked the summer, saved their money. That's why they went to the beach for a job. This was in Ocean City, Maryland in the 80s. Ocean City, Maryland's a little bit south of Atlantic City, mid-Atlantic coastal town. There were kids that would come from Ireland because there were no jobs in Ireland in the 80s. And these kids would come to, Ar- to Ocean City and work in hotels as maids. Mostly girls would come. Oh, it was great. Cute Irish chicks at the beach. Maids. Oh, fantastic. Fun, fun, fun people. But they would work all summer long and save every penny. And, you know, we would be out there just burning through our cash. If you had 10 bucks, you had a case of beer. Save it? What are you, nuts? I'm going home to live with my parents in the fall. I don't need to save money. Ah, America. What a country. I'd love to hear stories of your first job out there, Seattle. 888-973-5476. Did you just make some employer's life miserable? Were you that guy that couldn't understand the concepts of teamwork and responsibility? I can't believe any of you nice people were that guy. It's Kyra Knights. We'll be right back. I'm Spike O'Neill with Matt Butler. So uh, last week we talked a little bit about, uh, about Nikki Haley. Uh, she launched her bid for presidents for the presidency last week. 
mentioned a uh, a competency test, a cognitive mental cognitive competency test for uh, candidates over seventy five years of age. Kind of take a little bit of a blind shot at our former boss Donald Trump and the current president Joe Biden. But you know who really uh, took his shot was our boy Don Lemon over at CNN. Um, Don Lemon got himself in quite a bit of a little bit of a pickle there. Lemon got himself into a pickle. I see what you did. Yeah, there, see what so I did I... there. That was pretty a pretty ham handed attempt at comedy. Uh, let me play you what Don Lemon said about Nikki Haley and her comments about the age of candidates. This whole talk about age makes me uncomfortable. I think that I think it's the wrong road to go down. She says people, you know, politicians or something are not in their prime. Nikki Haley isn't in her prime. Sorry, when a woman is considered to be in her prime in her twenties and thirties and. Maybe 40s. What are you talking about? That's not according to me. Prime for what? Now, I should take a moment to tell you that Don Lemon is sitting between two female co-hosts on CNN this morning when he made that comment. And here, he, listen, he just keeps going. Oh, come on, Spike, you can do this. Uh, it depends. I mean, it's just like prime. If you look it up, it'll say, if you look, if you Google when is a woman in her prime, it'll say 20s, 30s and 40s. I don't necessarily. 40s. Oh, I got it. Another I'm not decade. saying I agree with that. So I think she has to be careful about saying that, you know, politicians aren't in their prime. You need to need qualify. To are you talking about prime for like childbearing or are you talking don't shoot about the message. prime I'm for just being saying president? What the facts are. Google it. Everybody at home. When is a woman in her prime? It says 20s, 30s and 40s. And I'm just saying Nikki Haley should be careful about saying that politicians are not in their prime and they need to be in their prime when they serve because she wouldn't be in her prime according to Google you know, Google or whatever it is. <laughs> Holy poor. I almost feel sorry for him. Almost. Yeah, because no, like, like this guy, this guy cannot be liked by anyone apparently. He, he can tick off one side, he can tick off the other side, but every so often he just has his Don Lemonism <sighs> that he has to float out there. Uh, you know, and, and as you can tell from listening to this show, it's tough to talk sometimes. I'm living proof. And you're up there and you, you, you try going without a script. You want to give your, you know, your expert opinion on, on the, the age and its impact on the viability of a candidate, right? Uh, and here's Don Lemon talking about how women are in their prime in their 20s, 30s, and 40s. Yeah, okay, Mr. Flintstone. You know, table for one there by the cave by the door. Great, you betcha. Dude, seriously? But there are people saying far worse about oh, oh, Joe yeah. Biden's oh, mental oh, fitness. Oh, oh, no, oh, no, I, I get it, I get it. I get it. Here's the thing, though, man. Um, if we're talking about, and good on his co-hosts. I'm not sure if that was Poppy Harlow or which which of the the other co-host's name I don't, escapes me at the moment. Say, well, you know, in the prime for what? Childbearing years? Okay, in that case, I, okay, I'll give you 20s, 30s, 40s. After the age of 40, women take great health risks when they become pregnant. But we're talking about running for the presidency, not birthing. It's not birth of a nation, literally birthing a nation, Don. Okay, we're not asking her to give birth to a child. How old was Hillary when she ran against Trump in 16? A lot older than Nikki Haley is. Well, I want to be clear, too, that I'm not endorsing Lemon's comments. Oh, no, no, I, no, I know you're not. I, I will say that if you're going to come out and say, well, there should be a mental fitness test because of age, this opens the door to a, a myriad of angles on this discussion. Oh, yeah. So while oh, I yeah. think what Lemon said was pretty dumb, yeah. the door was kind of opened by Nikki Haley. Oh, no. Matt, you're right. And I'm not saying I'm not saying Lemon has no, uh, or that Nikki Haley isn't opening herself up and all candidates up to uh, scrutiny. by saying, and, and we said last week, I'm all for a competency test. I think uh, some of the people we have representing uh, various districts across our country today wouldn't pass a competency test. 
Not even close. I'm just saying when you're the when you're the the lead guy on a network morning news show, and you don't know when to you know okay my you know I misspoke. You don't know when to shut up. Well, part of it is too is he is shoehorned into this new CNN mornings thing that hasn't been going well anyway. Right. He went from anchoring his own show to being a part of this crew, and while it's not as I say, it's not an excuse or an endorsement of his comments. But you're probably stumbling to find your place, and you're going to st- say some stupid stuff. Oh, you remember my first week here at nights? Oh, my God. I it have a podcast. It was awful. <laughs> it was awful. But I knew better than that. I would say, yeah, Lisa Brooks, man. I don't know if she's here. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be that stupid. Come on. Well, maybe you can get a job at CNN. Uh, you know, I, uh, Matt, we couldn't do much worse than Don Lemon. It is like the lowest rated show. But, you know, and I don't mean to pick on Don Lemon. It's tough to find, like you said, it's tough to be put into a new position, have to reinvent yourself and do a whole new dance. You know, it's tough. By the way, Don, I bring this up because Don Lemon will be back tomorrow. He'll be back tomorrow. He's been off the air since he made that little uh, verbal faux pas about Nikki Haley being in her prime or past her prime. He'll be back tomorrow and he'll take some sensitivity training. From the good folks at HR over at CNN. He's already apologized to his co-workers. I'm sure he'll make an on-air apology tomorrow. And he will have to watch those awkward videos. So you think she's Pastor Brian? Oh, never again, Don. Don't do it. I hope you live and learn, Don. I hope you thrive in this position. I hope you learn from your mistakes and never do that again. It's Kyron Knights. We'll be right back.